from MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining. It's the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today on the show, we'll welcome Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. They're the co-authors of the book Turnip Greens and Tortillas, described as Southern fare with a Mexican flair. We'll talk with them about the creation of the book and why Chef Hernandez doesn't care if his food is considered authentic. You can join the conversation with questions and comments. Give us a call. The phone number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show food at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. A little later today, we're going to welcome Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett to the show. They're co-authors of the book, Turnip Greens and Tortillas. Described as Southern Fair with a Mexican flair, we'll talk with them about the creation of the book and why Chef Hernandez doesn't care if his food is considered authentic. You can always join in our conversation with a phone call this morning. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 or send an email. It's food at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning, Kevin. I am so high from last week. I'm, I'm still trying to calm down. Last Thursday, a couple of really fantastic things happened. Uh, I picked up a copy of Eat, Drink, Mississippi, and guess who they were talking about, Kevin? Me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And I was really excited to see that they did a fantastic article about Deep South Dining. And wow, that's just crazy. And then I got a little uh, excited because I realized that I've been here at um, MPB since uh, 2013. And uh, the Deep South Dining fans are really showing up and loving on us really good. And we want to say we really appreciate that. The numbers are looking really good, Kev. All right. Um, I was in Florida this weekend, went on a dolphin cruise. I saw that. Fortunately, we did find some dolphins, though apparently they don't ever guarantee anything. And it was kind of funny because we plowed out there in the middle of the bay, and the uh, captain was on the radio, and he says, oh, there's another boat. They said they've found some over here, so we rush over to that spot. And apparently they had gone there. So then he's like, uh, well, I've heard from that they're over here, so... <laughs> Once you get in there, all the charter boat operators talk to each other, and everybody chases after the dolphins, um, who I'm sure recognize the sound of the boat, so apparently they don't mind being chased after. Uh, but uh, I had this kind of silly idea that, you know, when you got there, they would pop out of the water and juggle balls on their noses and be flipper or whatever. But yeah, that happens at the carnival. Right. <laughs> These are wild creatures, so the fact that we got a shot of them you know, popping out of the water a couple of times was probably the best that we could hope for. And um, there's no way I was going to get a picture. My brother, who has a, a, a better camera, I just had my iPhone with me. He he got a couple of pictures, but they, you know, they're up and down from the water so fast that you really can't uh, get a decent shot of them. But it was a lot of fun. It was a good tour of uh, Pensacola Bay. 
Uh, so a nice bike boat ride. But like I say, I, they call it the dolphin cruise. And I was first thought the, hunting for dolphins, but then I thought, well, that people might think that you're out to kill them or whatever. So a dolphin search, I think, is what I would call them. But again, uh, nice. It was a nice sunny day, so enjoyed. Uh, the boat ride and got to see, obviously, you know, some of the surroundings from a different perspective there on the bay. So, so I guess you and I both were hanging out with um, the animals this weekend because I also had a really fantastic animal experience, Kevin. I got to babysit a baby kangaroo this weekend. Oh. Oh, my gosh. He's six months old. And uh, he still, you know, wanted to uh, nest in his mommy's tummy. So, we, you know, we had this um, kind of artificial pouch that he was in just really adorable so where was that at mclean lodge believe it or not you know we we've gotten um a camel in this weekend some new zebras and the baby kangaroo and we're going to call him rue and he's absolutely adorable (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh brought in a sweet treat for us this morning so if you would uh, tell us a bit about uh, what what it is first of all it was too funny kevin i overslept this morning and Uh-oh. then i woke up and was really ambitious and decided to uh, make some chocolate candies this morning and i made three different varieties of chocolate and part of that is to celebrate uh the cover of ink drink magazine because uh they featured the wonderful articles about blueberries as well as talking about us at deep south dining so one of the chocolates that i have is a creamy milk chocolate infused with these wonderful blueberries they're just nice firm juicy bites of blueberries the other one is a pecan and blueberry uh, by with a little bit darker milk chocolate, but it's still a milk chocolate. And then the other one was an old-fashioned peanut and chocolate bite. And so we, you know, it's just kind of reminded me of you. Just nice, sweet, and yummy all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were some very large blueberries, and I thought I I don't think I'd ever had a blueberry in a chocolate before. So it was a nice uh, treat. And then I liked the one that had the uh, the the pecans because you had, you know, the salty. Uh, combined with the the juice of the blueberry, and they that I was surprised at how well they retained the juice. I mean, you bit into, you could really feel the the blueberry juice, but they were very good. And then you know, peanut and chocolate, that's that's certainly a natural combination. So that was good as well. <clears throat> um, did you have to get the candy thermometer out and all that sort of thing? Well, you, you should. Uh, you should do that, but I didn't, Kevin. And, and basically, you know, I've I've been working on chocolates for a little while, so I've, you know, I can kind of eyeball the texture once the chocolate has gotten to certain creaminess. And then I'm always doing small batches because you know I've got tiny little kitchen, um, and I'm doing it with the water bath. And so not, instead of popping the chocolates in the microwave, because a lot of people are doing that. And the the problem with that for me is you really, if you're not careful, you'll end up with very thick ball of chocolate, and we don't want that. We want really creamy, smooth chocolates. And then I infuse a little bit of butter. Uh, in one of the mixtures, the other one is, you know, is a little bit of cream in there. And so, and you also have to be very careful about adding things into the chocolate because instantly it changes the texture. And so you don't want the chocolate to seize up on you. Um, and with the pecans, of course, we, uh, roasted the pecans and salted them up really well. So you could get the saltiness against the sweetness of the chocolate. You can always add spices into your chocolates. And, you know, and I'm working with white chocolates, which are technically not chocolates because there are no cocoa in there. And uh, just because Mother Day is coming up and uh, I wanted to, for my mom, this coming Mother's Day is fix her the most fantastic 
box of chocolates that she's ever had without spending 300 bucks. <laughs> <clears throat> so did you get the squares? Uh, for some of it, I did. Uh, and then some of it is m- actually the chocolate morsels. And then I've actually been working on building chocolate from scratch, which is really kind of interesting, you know, when you're starting with a cocoa base. So just kind of learning how to, to work with the chocolates, Kevin, because, uh, again, you know, for Mother's Day. And then we have uh, the book signing coming in June, and I'm going to have, you know, some sample bites of things for people to try. And I figured we'd share some yummy candies as one of those things. Well, I think you're right. Uh, you know, I used the the double boiler kind of thing where I had a pot on the stove and had a glass bowl that kind of fit over the top of it. And so you heat the water underneath there and so that it's kind of a slower process. But also I agree with you that think think about chocolate is interesting is that when it melts until you kind of stir it up, it retains its shape so it's hard to tell how melted it really is and i know in the microwave i've had that same thing where i try to do that once for christmas is that it's very easy to go past the point of no return when you're absolutely so um so if you do that don't throw the chocolate out you can always make some yummy cocoa with that or you can go back in and chop the chocolate up really fine and use it for your cookies or you know you know other things add it into some other things so don't don't just unless you completely burn it to the point where it's just ridiculous uh but for me doing the water um bath is really wonderful and the you know and it's just really simple if you happen to use the bars of chocolate you know make sure that you chop it really fine uh, the other thing is everything should be really dry. You know, if you're going to put it in a bowl, you know, you of course you want to clean your bowl out, but you want to make sure that it's really dry before you add the chocolates in, all of your intense utensils because you don't want to add any water into the chocolate because again it'll ruin it it'll change the texture really fast i'm having a lot of fun learning how to do this kevin who knows this time next year for valentine's or something you know maybe i'll take you out on a date and feed you a bunch of chocolates (laughs) deborah the chocolatier all right we've got that to look forward to uh, we need to take a break in just a minute, but I also had one other little story I thought was kind of funny I wanted to share from the weekend is that <clears throat> apparently there's a new trend in restaurants to, like, read the menu to you. We went to one place <clears throat> that we'd been before, and the first question they ask is, have you ever been here before? So we had, but then we were listening when the, the table next to us was no, and so the guy, <clears throat> the waiter said, oh, have you ever been here before? And they're like, no. <clears throat> so he, basically, he he kind of explained the menu. He's like, well, we've got these, you know, this sort of thing here and this and this and this, and I'm like... That's why we handed us this printed thing with all these words on us. <laughs> and I went to a breakfast and uh, I ordered. It was they were very good. It was um, cinnamon roll French toast. Okay. With you know some icing and some fruit on it. And I I ordered that. And she's like, oh, now be very careful. This is a really sweet dish. Now, do you understand? It's sweet rolls, and then and then so she basically ex- ex- explained everything that was on the dish. And I was like, yes, I read the menu. You're telling me what's on it. I can read so. I guess people don't read the menu, so they're being very careful. But to me, it's kind of funny. It's like you hand someone a thing, and then you have to read it to them or explain it to them. And it's like, to me, if you're too dumb to understand a menu, oh, Kevin, don't then you say get that. what you deserve. <laughs> don't say that. Actually, I think I think you could look at it as part of you know the hospitality right. around. You and know. like I said, I think they're covering it because if they didn't and you were upset with it, then you say... And it it has, you know, with me working in a couple of restaurants, I've seen it happen. You know, when people order something, even when they read it, you know, if especially if it's something that they haven't had before, uh, then you bring it out 
and and it's this ultimate surprise. And then so you have to take it back. And of course, if you do that, you know, 10 or 15 times during the day and you're returning funds for dishes, the restaurant is, of right. course, losing. So and then you want to, you know, just kind of it's a great way to interact with your customers. I thought it was because, like I said, you know, she said how sweet it was. And so I, I really did want when she came by, say, how is everything? Just say, oh, my God, this is so sweet. But I did. So I made her day. I wasn't going to be a jerk. You're being a food Scrooge, Kev. (laughs) All right. uh, We do need to take a break. When we get back, we'll welcome our guests into the program. We're going to be visiting today with Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett about their new book called Turnip Greens and Tortillas. We'll be back with more Deep South Dining after this break. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting uh, in this part of the show with our guests. Uh, we're having studio chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. They have collaborated on the new cookbook, Turnip Greens and Tortillas. So thank you both for being with us on the program this morning. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. So, um, Chef Eddie, if you would tell us a little bit about your background. Well, <laughs> do we have enough time? <laughs> well, I was born in Mexico, uh, in Monterrey, which is another part of, of Mexico, right at the border with Texas. I grew up in Waco, Waco, Texas, mm-hmm. and I moved to Georgia in 1987 for 10 days. For 10 days? I'm still there. <laughs> it's only been 30 years. So I guess I got another 70. <laughs> so what brought you to Mississippi? Uh, well, actually, I, I came to uh, Greenville the first time with, with Susan to do the uh, Tamale Festival mm-hmm. about four years ago. And this time we're here to try to talk a little bit about uh, Ton of Greens and Tortillas, or cookbook. Uh, she actually was born here. <laughs> and uh, Jackson and Ray's here, and she has a lot of friends. So we decided to bring the book and make it like a friendly kind of thing and meet everybody. <laughs> so, Chef, was cooking something that you know you did while, while growing up? And uh, I did. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I grew up on a family of women <laughs> who love to cook and beat me up for whatever reason. Like, pay attention, and they'll slap you. Uh, but they were really, really good home cooks. I mean, I think everybody will agree that almost everybody who grew up at home, you know, their mother and grandmothers and some of the guys actually cook. And I was one of those guys that really liked food. <laughs> and I like to eat a lot of it. <laughs> well, a guy that's cooking and cook really well, you know, it's a great way to pick up girls, right? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I talked about that before because in Mexico... You know, the thing is, if, if you cook, if you're a chef, you're automatically gay. <laughs> oh, wow. Are you yes. serious? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they believe that the kitchen belongs to the women and the women only. <laughs> and if you cook, well, you go the other way. <laughs> so I was in a view one time, I think it was CNN or somebody, and uh, they asked me about that particular thing and that, you know, how come people think that, that you know, you, you're gay if you're, if you're a chef? And I said, I like to see for them to see some of the girls I dated. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, well, why? And I said, oh, I, I'm not afraid. I just go, girl, I can cook. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. 
So, Susan, the chef mentioned you're a Mississippi native. If you would tell us a bit about a little bit about your background. Um, yeah, I um, grew up in actually in Meridian and in Jackson, and um, graduated from Ole Miss. And um, my first job um, out of college was at the Clarion Ledger, and wow. um, <clears throat> I, I was a feature writer and. Just happened to do a number of uh, a, a number of stories that that were related to food ways, and um, that those stories got turned into a little cookbook called A Cook's Tour of Mississippi. And you know, I was kind of the accidental food um, food <laughs> writer. But after we finished that little book, I didn't want to go back to um, you know covering. Board of Education meetings, <laughs> so I, I that started my food um, career. I ended up eventually in Atlanta as the food editor for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution, and um, Eddie um, has a fantastic restaurant, um, actually a little chain of restaurants there called Taqueria del Sol, um, and it's... It, like it, they have a cult following, and actually, besides um, editing <laughs> and and writing a lot about the uh, about the restaurant, I um, am also am a longtime fan, and I can easily say I've probably been four or five hundred times. To, oh, to, wow. we, I, I happen to live almost she's, right she's next door to one of the locations. So. And it sounds like she's willing to work for food. I just oh, yeah. That she is does. a huge, huge fringe benefit. No, I, mean, I, I like is, the, is that pretty good uh, thing, you know, when you have people, not just like her, but a bunch of other people that you get to meet through throughout the years and, and you become friends and you watch your kids grow up. I was just telling a story about a guy from the cults that uh, was interviewed by Fox, and he was talking about this diet that they, you know, the football players go through. And he goes, so I get one day to cheat, and so I just go to Taqueria all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and we ate tacos and some greens and and the dessert. And it was like, I said, thank you for the plug here, dude. <laughs> now, I really love the idea of food fusion. And that's really uh, your kind of style of uh, food is taking traditional southern styles of food, soul foods, and then fusing them in with your traditional uh, Mexican type of dishes. Yes, I mean, it's really easy to, to do that if you know a little bit about what you're doing. But one of the things that I talk all the time is how similar the ingredients are. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we have a lot of things in common when it comes to food, you know. And we also, we have a lot of history together. And we both um, like, we both like hot sauce, uh -huh. the greens that they cook mm -hmm. in the South. I change the hot sauce with some dry peppers from my, you know, from my upbringing and stuff like that. You know, we both love corn. We love pork. Let mm. me tell you, we cannot <laughs> live without bacon. You know, and so we have a lot of things, including the thornip greens. Where, by the way, we were in a restaurant last night. Uh, what's it called? Cock of the Walk. Cock, cock oh, of the Walk. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. I had greens over there, and she goes, well, you know, I like your greens better. And I said, no, I like their greens because they're different. Mm -hmm. And they don't. It's not a competition on who's got the best greens. Exactly. We all learn to like one or the other one, and then we patronize the place. I love the greens they served there, and the cornbread was incredible, and the pickled onions they have. I can eat a pound of those things. Those pickled onions. But we also awesome. in Mexico yeah. eat tons of pickled onions. The only difference is that we are jalapenos. You know, 
So I like that. So I was able to find ways to make Southern food with different techniques and spices and bringing new items to the table that, you know, the home cook can improvise from, you know. For me, the the food journey really is uh, not just the food. It's not just about greens or fish or tacos. It really is about the human experience and exchanging cultures and understanding that we are more alike than we realize. And, of course, as a journalist, you would realize this because you went from writing boring stories about education (laughs) to really being able to live this whole experience that food brings you alive in so many ways because you get to meet people in a very soft, kind way that you would normally not get to meet them. Uh, They're more open. I've never met anybody who was unhappy about good food. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally agree with you on that one. I always say, you know, when you sit on a table to eat, you know, there's no, no talking about religion or where you came from or what you do for a living, which is going to enjoy what we have to eat. And and really, we come together over food really well. And I think we should approach everything through food and see how, how many things we got in common. You know, not just the southern Mexico, but other cuisines as well. So I think food can bring a lot of people together. That's why I like the SFA out of Oxford. Southern Foodways Alliance. Exactly. Because yeah. they really try to bring us all together and do stuff like that. I mean, we're big supporters of them. I mean, we give them tons of money for that one reason that they actually do try to bring people from different backgrounds and cultures and and to get us together. Now, did they not just recently have an international food um, event, Kevin? Did we not talk to them? That was MSU. I'm not sure if that was the same thing. Yeah. That might have been at Mississippi State. But they did did one in in October called the uh, the New uh, South Latino, Mm -hmm. where they bring all these Latin chefs to, to cook and, and, and showcase an mm-hmm. a little bit of the cuisine of Mexico through through the eyes of the South, and it was really good. I mean, I was actually asked to cook at the uh, World Congress uh, Symposium in Mexico City, and it was the same date as the Southern Food Alliance date, and I picked the Southern Food Alliance. I decided not to go to this world kind of thing, and instead I stay in the South because I really believe on it. He did like a four- or five-course mm-hmm. lunch that included one of his uh, um, his chicken famous chicken pot pie mm. and a tortilla shell. Oh, oh wow. Uh, we're visiting with uh, Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett this morning on Deep South Dining talking about their cookbook, Turnip Greens and Tortillas. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call. The phone lines are open. It's one eight seven seven. MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show as well. Food at mpbonline.org. Now, Chef, I think we have a little bit of a common experience, and that was um, when I first moved to Mississippi and went to you know the Kroger Deli for lunch. I had no idea what turnip greens were either, and I understand that when you first encountered them, you had a similar experience. I had a really really shocking thing <laughs> with this. I mean, we we had a great customer. Uh, named Bobby Avery, he brought me a big plastic bag of turnip greens. And they went bad because I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> then the next week, he came back with another bag. <laughs> so I went to my partner, Mike Lane now, and I say, Mike, what are these things? And he says, they're turnip greens. And I say, what do you do with it? <laughs> he goes, well, you cook them and you eat them. And 
How? <laughs> so he just said, well, I got a shot right there. We'll go for lunch. <laughs> so, you know, once we closed the restaurant for lunch, we went to a restaurant, two restaurants in Atlanta, and I was able to see what, what they did with it. And I just said, okay, well, this is how they like it, but how will I like it? So I changed the recipe to be the way I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. And here we are 30 years later. Well, that's almost like an advantage because you don't have any kind of preconceived idea about how turnip greens should be cooked. You just knew them, and so it was kind of like a blank slate for you to to figure out and and kind of create a new way of, of, of cooking them. Yeah, I mean, well, if that's the thing, the connection between the southern Mexico and Mexico, we have a plant called quelique, quelite, which mimics the turnip greens. Mm-hmm. So I, I immediately relate to that and thought about how we used to eat them in Mexico. So I decided to turn it into a soup. I think a lot of people will agree, and like the greens that we had last night, they had no liquid on it. Right. You know, they just cook. Uh, I turned them into a soup. You can still sip them, you know, just take the greens out. But if you try my pot liquor, you can leave the greens on the side. It <laughs> has, just it has drink exactly the, you just want to drink that. As opposed to the um, ham hock, he uses um, chicken broth and onions and garlic and chili de arbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it becomes and tomatoes. But you can you can eat the whole thing. And like last night the ones I had at this place, they had no liquid, but they tasted really, really good. So I'm not gonna say that theirs are worse or better than anybody else. They just do a good job. And I think when you approach food, especially from a culinary, uh, professional culinary standpoint, when you approach it without being competitive, just being open-minded, you have a tendency to learn so much more about the food itself. And again, for me, it's the hook is always the people. Mm -hmm. If you're ever cooking food and, and your ultimate goal is not to share love and kindness with people, then your dish is never good. And that's just the spirit that I believe in. And so for me, it's given me a chance to, uh, from one border of the world to the other to learn uh, new languages, uh, to no- learn uh, new expressions of styles of eating because everybody's customs, even at sitting at the table at dinner time, is different. I just think, you know, and God is so smart. He knew that if he gave us all food, at some point that would bring us all together. Yeah, <laughs> it's doing a good job right now. Right? <laughs> it's working really good because a lot of people are beginning to to pick up on the improvisation of co- different cultures, you know. Even now, uh, you know, you see a lot of Indian cuisine now being mixed with Southern ingredients, you mm-hmm. know. So everybody's trying to understand that, okay, I live in this part of the world, and this is what's available to me, then i got to make do with what, what I got. So here we are in another country in another part of the South, of the United States, and this is what we got to work with. And you made the best of that. And then you offer it to, to your guests. And, you know, that's when the final decision comes. Some people are going to like it. Some, are, some won't like it. But I'm okay with all that. You know, it's it's just like people. You like some people and you don't like other people. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the more I learn about food, too, Kevin, uh, which, which is really fantastic to me, is the more I want to learn about history and the world we live in. And so if you go back and you look at the beginning when the continents were not divided, uh, you know, we're really just kind of coming back full circle because there was a point in the world where people could, you know, cross continental was really a word. You know, you could mm-hmm. travel from one place to the other without all these breaks in the country. And then 
as the earth shifted and volcanoes happened and earthquakes happened and, you know, parts of the one country shifted over this way. And so now people have to travel more to get to know each other. We're coming full circle with that. You tra- People are traveling more just for food experience, you know, to be able to get on a plane and fly to Italy just to taste food or to fly to India, you know, to go to Morocco and these different places just to eat because you, you want to learn about the world that you're in. And for me, it's the most brilliant thing because technology really is numbing us in a lot of ways socially. But food is the thing that really is bringing us back together wholly. And I'm and I love that. I love that. No, I know. I mean, and we talk about that the other day about different foods and how people has to go to France to try really good French food. Well, it just happened. That's what they do there. Right. You know, but if you think about it, Louisiana and Mexico were influenced by the French so much, you know, in the mid-800s, that we learned a lot of stuff from them. That's right. So we were able to fusion that, that knowledge a little bit. But you want to try Italian food, and everybody tells you, well, you need to go to Italy to try real Italian food. I said, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I got. I got a spaghetti here. It's not going to be 100% Italian, and I'm not going to claim that this is Italian food. It's Italian food my way. Yeah. This is how I cook. This is how I do. It's not authentic. I'm, I would never claim anything to be authentic because it, it is what it is where you're at. It's so just it's, any it's food. A, it's, <laughs> authentic, it's authentic Southern Mexican. Right. <laughs> we need to take another quick break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with our guests today. We've got uh, Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett in studio with us. We're talking about their cookbook, Turnip Greens and Tortillas. Back with more Deep South Dining after this. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're visiting with the authors of the cookbook Turnip Greens and Tortillas. In studio with us today is Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. We've got some open phone lines if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So, Susan, you mentioned that you were a fan of Eddie's restaurants there in Atlanta, the Taqueria del Sol. Yes. How did you go from fan of the restaurant to cookbook collaborator? Um, well, I think I mentioned earlier, I was the I was actually the food editor for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution for almost 19 years. And about nine years ago, um, I left I left the paper to go independent. And actually, I did a book. Um, I came back to Mississippi and did a book called Eat, Drink, Delta. I was actually on this on this program then oh, and wow. did um, um, did a tour uh, through the Mississippi Delta um, to just explore deeply the foodways and. In the process of doing that, I realized how much I enjoyed doing, you know, doing books and wanted to do more of them. And uh, I was working with an agent by then, and she said, well, are there any chefs in town that you think might make a good cookbook? I thought about half a second Please, Eddie. And uh, <laughs> so I just I called his actually his business partner, um, Mike Clank, um, and said, uh, I know this sounds like kind of a crazy idea, but what would y'all, you know, 
Well, what would y'all think about doing a, a book? Because I knew Eddie had, I, I knew they had a great story, and I was particularly drawn to the friendship story. And you know, uh, you were talking about that earlier about you know just. Um, Food is like this way of of breaking down barriers, and and I knew that um, Eddie and his business partner Mike. I mean that that's how they didn't just suddenly dream up. Let's do a fusion restaurant. It really is the melding of two the backgrounds of two friends, and I just love that story and and we sat down so they said well come on over and uh, of course when I got there Mike was at the table and it's like where where's Eddie where he where he always is in the kitchen cooking <laughs> and he brings he brings out you know this great food and we just you know we had a great conversation and it's like let's do it so that was seven years ago it took a little we do things slow but uh <laughs> Hopefully but, but, it's worth right. it. But right. <laughs> uh, so, Eddie, tell us a little bit about uh, Taqueria del Sol. Taqueria was a project that uh, we had a restaurant called Sundown Cafe, which did a uh, Southwestern cuisine, which is basically what it is. is Mexican food with uh, French techniques and, and ways to do food. And we only opened for dinner. It, it was a very elaborated menu. And we were just you know, making ends meet, and we decided that we needed to lower the cost of goods and labor. So we decided to start selling tacos because we both, Mike and I, love tacos. And we wanted to utilize the death timing in the day with the people that we have and increase a little bit of the sales. So we decided to start selling tacos over the counter. You know, George, uh, one of the guys that works for us, he ran the counter. One of my guys in the kitchen made the tacos. And either Mike or I will give it to the guys. And all of a sudden, we got lines of people waiting for those tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Literally lines. And we, 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 we did it for line. about four or five years. And we were approached by another gentleman that he had a building on an upcoming part of town. There was nobody there. And uh, he says, Y'all do whatever you want on that building. Wow. Fine dining. I don't care. You know, I trust you. And Mike came to me and he says, I got this building. You know, what do you think about, go, you know, also doing something there? And uh, we talk about tacos because we always wanted to do tacos. And it was not really a very well-known formula at the time to have a over-the-counter taco sales at the level that we were getting ready. I mean, my, Mike has got a, a master's degree, an MBA on engineering. This guy is insane. And uh, so he drew out the scheme and drew the building the way he thought we should do it. I went to Mexico and California, did a little research, and we came up with everything over 45 minutes conversation. And we go, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so we did it. Bacchanalia, really nice, fine dining, open the same week, and there was not, nothing else. And wow. today you can't get into that parking lot. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think I've been to one on a trip to Atlanta. In fact, I remember very, very tasty. So. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so why don't we invite uh, Mikey from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Go ahead, please. Hey, Mikey. Uh, good morning. Oh, uh, good morning. Good morning. You guys, once again, like I was telling um, uh, Java, I mean, once I think you can't knock it out of the park any farther, you surprise me every time. <laughs> thank um, you. Uh, um, uh, thank you. Um, I have wondered 
for years why, you know, uh, com, uh, honey, you know, I've been talking about combining knowledge of growing stuff in your own garden, stuff that you can grow in a pot, you know, it's like, and used to cook and used to work with why somebody hadn't done this kind of a book that um, that points it out that um, things like, okay, I was inspired one time by reading a boiled and then thinly spread and baked cornbread and uh, as a southern recipe. Well, tortillas <laughs> ain't that them? <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically the same. You have to boil the corn. You know, shave the tortillas and then cook them on a grill. I mean, it's basically the same, done a little bit different. And so in Mississippi, we would call that hot water cornbread. Yeah, and it's, really? Yeah, it's called mm-hmm. hot water cornbread, and it's mm-hmm. the same technique. It's something that my grandmother, who would be 102 years old today, did for me as a small child. And yeah. so the more we think the world is different, the yes. more it is the same. It is also a technique that you can easily find in Africa as part of yes. the culture where they mm-hmm. would be cooking the same tortilla or hot water cornbread over a hot stone. And yeah. so it, it, you know, it's just, it's so beautiful for me because, um, you know, we call American America the big melting pot. Well, if you have a wonderful pot, something yummy ought to be in it. And food is a great way to do that, you you know, and the world is full of, um, Mikey, so many amazing, beautiful ideas just expressed differently. I thought that was a pretty good uh, thing to, to bring up, and it's a good point about that. Absolutely. We're visiting with Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. They've collaborated on Turnip Greens and Tortillas, the cookbook we're talking about this hour. Uh, so you all are on a book tour, and tonight you'll be at Lemuria, a bookstore in Jackson, at 5 p.m. Uh, give us an idea of what, what goes on when you're on the tour in terms of uh, your book signings. Do you share stories from uh, making the cookbook? What will folks ex- uh, see if they're there this afternoon? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the conversation is going to shift into the book, but they also want to know who we are. You know, and where we came from and what got us together. I mean, it's just common questions on the road about people wanting to know who you are. You know, the book will tell us, tell them part of who I am and who she is and how all this came together, but they want to hear. Yeah. It's and, really easy to read it. And but, I, will, I will say up to this uh, point, I mean, in, in Atlanta, I'm I'm really not exaggerating when I say that Eddie is a culinary rock star. Our um, we kicked off our um, launch at uh, at the Atlanta History Center, and it was it was packed. Sold every every book because people not just because they love his food, but love his stories. He's such a great storyteller, and it's so fun for me as a Mississippian to be able to introduce him. To my uh, to my world and and friends and so um, so I really hope everybody will come out and meet so, you. Sometimes I get to throw her under the bus. Uh, <laughs> somebody asked yeah. me about her and about writing and cooking, and I said, yeah. I said, let me tell you, I mean, she can write. There's no doubt about this. I said, but when it comes to cooking, I mean, she needs divine intervention. She doesn't need my help. She needs, you know, somebody from my bed to give her a call. Well, that, that's good that you all are combining your strengths there together. Yes. Yeah. We need to take one final break this okay. hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. We're visiting on Deep South Dining with Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. They've collaborated on Turnip Greens and Tortillas, a cookbook that we've been talking about this hour. 
We'll be back to wrap up the program after this final break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we're visiting with Chef Eddie Hernandez and writer Susan Puckett. They've collaborated on the cookbook Turnip Greens and Tortillas, so we have been talking about that. Uh, so tonight you're going to be at Lemuria uh, in Jackson, um, and I guess is the book uh, readily available at all usual places where people would buy a cookbook? <laughs> Pretty much everywhere, def- and um, we especially are big supporters of, of um, bookstores, especially local independent uh, bookstores, and um, while you can get it um, anywhere, Amazon is great, but we love support and love Lemuria. It's Absolutely. like a part of my, that is a part of my childhood and life. So, I still I still like to read cookbooks. I mean, I'm a big fan of you know community cookbooks and hand down recipes and stuff like that. I think that they're so cool. <laughs> Speaking of that, so did any of your grandmother's recipes make this edition of the cookbook? Tamales is one of them. Oh, the wow. natilla is another one from my mom. Uh, so there's some explain the natilla. The natilla is like a rice custard. But, but no in, rice. In, in Mexico, it's just custard. In Mexico, we call it atole, and we do it a, a infinite variety of ways. But I like the one that is just vanilla and, and uh, cinnamon. And we used to eat it hot. Right. Always. Well, one day, you know, I had so much left. That I had to make some for my son because he loves this stuff. So I put it in the cooler and I didn't want to throw it away and find out that it got solid. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was almost like a rice pudding after that. So eventually I ended up making it in the restaurants for, for kids. Like if they were crying, I would just bring a little bit of that and go, here we go, try this, and <laughs> they would stop. And uh, work it out, and then we started to sell it at the restaurant. And now we have it. It's not on the menu. It's, it's like everybody's little sick. <laughs> this is this is one of the fun things about Taqueria. Is like there is like you were saying. It's kind of like a secret society of like, and there are dishes like the natia and the George there, there, and the George, uh, which is just a mixture of um, of the Mexican rice, the um, Eddie's turnip greens, and the charros beans all mixed together, named after one of their um, employees. Ma- one of their employees, and it's like uh, people. It's just people in the know know to ask for it, but they're not on, the, not on, the, on menu. the menu. Yeah, I wish I thought so. You know, and it, what's what's really uh, incredible for me, no matter where I go um, in the world, if people are drawn to those really simple, loving recipes that somebody's grandmother made, yeah. that still re- can bring up those childhood memories, that comfort food uh, oh, yeah. that you know we're really famous for here in the South. Uh, because it just creates that sense of, sense of warmth when you're sitting down. Because to get a baby to instantly stop crying from having a bite of pudding is just fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it works for the restaurant because, it, you know, when you stop him from crying, it doesn't annoy anybody else. <laughs> and, and, and it makes the child happy. You know, it's, it's a win-win situation, you know. And now it's like we're like in our third generation of customers. And all the kids that come seeing little babies, there was one uh, over the weekend, there was a week old. They brought it in for the first time to, to the restaurant, and they don't cry. 
Babies don't cry in the restaurant. They're used to the noise because their mothers used to go there when they were pregnant, and they do go there <laughs> a lot. I mean, it, it, it becomes a really, really fun thing when you achieve something like that, when you can take some food that has a lot of memories, like not just from me, but Mike, some of the employees and friends, everybody. You know, one of the things that I said at the book thing is like, you know, everybody who was there, I said, need to enjoy this book. Because it's not mine, it's, or it belongs to all of us. Y'all contributed by telling me what you like, like the pot pie or the churrasco steak and things like that. Or the shrimp and grace school, it's, it has its own little call to people that love that stuff. And uh, I thought I thought it's really good to, to have a place like the Gria del Sol that everybody enjoys. It's not really expensive. You can eat two, three times a week, and people's not shy about saying, yeah, I, I was there five times last week. I mean, they're not ashamed <laughs> to say that, you know. People, people buy property next to the restaurant. I d- no, yeah. I'm not going to mention I'm, names. No, I'm not, I actually did. I knew um, you were trying to move in. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I kind of literally did. There was a condo that was going up um, almost right next door to one of the taquerias, and I was I was literally the first person to uh, to buy. So, Eddie, you know you're it. hanging out with your food stalker, right? Yeah, I, I was stalking, yes. I told her, you know, Mike and I, we've been partners for 30 years. You know, he's a totally guy from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm a guy that's never been to the South, and we managed to put our heads together and create something special, despite that our backgrounds being so different. And now we're, we're a family, and it's like I told Susan, you know, when we trust you to be part of our family, because you're going to be yeah. part of us for life. And that's what, honestly, I, I really feel like we're family, and we're and I love he's he's going around with me and my family this week on my uh, <laughs> road trip through my through my home state. But I do like the South. Actually, in Greenwood is where I counted those. Uh, Famous uh, pickle, uh, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid pickles. Kool-Aid pickles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I make them all the time. <laughs> Got a couple of minutes left. Um, is there a favorite recipe uh, that each of you have that you could tell us about that's in the book? Oh, wow. That is a uh, that is a toughie. Um, the, that chicken pot pie is, is pretty hard to beat. And it's like... Um, and honestly, I was not a huge fan of chicken pot pie because it can be kind of bland. But Eddie infuses it with, of course, with um, some, mi- some mild chilies. But what's really cool is, is instead of rolling out a pie dough, you just take a flour tortilla and you drop it into hot oil for literally about 10 seconds, it blows up kind of like Jiffy Pop popcorn. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. And um, and you crack it open and you put the um, you put, put the chicken pot pie mixture inside the, the shell. But I think that's also such a perfect um, example of how he takes this these familiar flavors and um, spices it up and makes it something um original and fun and everybody loves that i like a bunch of stuff from the book i mean you know i I have had it all and i like them all i like them enough to put them on the book (laughs) (laughs) one of them that i really really enjoy is the uh the luciana fried rice Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i I use like japanese techniques to fry the rice 
Chinese. Ah, yes. Louisiana spices with Mexican stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's like a melting pot of, of flavors on this thing. I do it with shrimp. Wow, time's up already? Yeah, we've got to go. Thank you so much uh, for being with us this morning. Deep South Dining Thank is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Deborah Hunter and our guests, Chef Eddie Hernandez and Susan Puckett, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey comes up next, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.